Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the UGA Sports Live podcast. My name is Roddy Nabulsi. I am joined by Dane and Blaine. It's a, it's a rhyming pair. And, of course, Jim Donnan, the guy everyone here is here to see. But I, you know, we did a little teaser on Twitter to say that uh, Blaine Gilmer, our, one of our recruiting experts at UGA Sports, was going to join us today. So he's going to be on the show. And Coach is going to ask him some questions, and we're going to pepper him for some good insider recruiting scoop on some of these kids that are out there. Uh, I am in my home office today, and there's bunch of deer outside as there are every day. I wish I was a classic city eats. I'd love to be there, but they're closed for the uh, a couple days to take off the 4th of July. I hope everyone had a good 4th. I hope all my co-hosts had a good 4th as well. And I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, of course, Dead Soxie, Athens Ford, Academia Brewing Company, and Your Pie. It's Tuesday. It's Your Pie. It's just noon. So uh, go ahead and get your orders in for Your Pie. Maybe it'll be ready before the show's over. So uh, Coach, I'm going to turn the show over to you, and I want you to just blister Blaine, just get after him. Let's find out what the hell's going on in recruiting. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got the right man to do that. I want to give Blaine a little love here. For the people that uh, really don't subscribe to our rival site that just watch this YouTube channel or Facebook, uh, we do have a really good extensive recruiting uh, backlog of uh, just these guys do a tremendous job. Uh, we're going to see Jed here in a minute, but Blaine and Trent Smallwood, uh, they just really uh, – I enjoy reading their stuff, and they're right up with what's going on. And it's a good idea by Roddy to uh, – in the middle of summer when things are maybe a little slow on the football end, but recruiting's big to uh, get these guys on there and let the uh, experts talk about it. So, Blaine uh, – Roddy always has the best ideas. I'm not going <laughs> to notice that. Like, just producing every idea. week. But so, I'll take credit for it like I don't normally do. But there's the – Here's the first thing I would like to say. Uh, you know, everybody gets out of their uh, element lane early in the summer sometime when people start looking at the recruiting down the road and all. And our recruiting right now, some sites, you know, we're rated like seventh or eighth, some sixth. Or, and, you know, Arkansas is ahead of us. But Alabama's 19th. Texas and Ohio State are really rolling. Where do you see the state of our recruiting right now uh, as compared to what, what you thought it would be here in the middle of July. I think it's right on par with what has happened in the Kirby smart era, right? You know, they typically close strong and never have finished out of the top five under Kirby smart. And I think that, uh, that won't change. I think they'll, they'll be up in the top four or five, uh, classes or maybe even higher by the time it all gets done with. But I think Kirby and they're, they're just kind of taking their time, biding their time, getting the guys that they're trying to get. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. And I would add to this that uh, times when you lose a player, everybody just gets all out of whack. But uh, not necessarily that Georgia actually recruited them just because they put their uh, cap on the line. And all every Georgia kid acts like Georgia's after him. But I think some of these guys lately, we definitely were after that one that went to Texas. I don't know about the one to LSU. But let's just get specific recruiting uh, issues on position-wise. Where do you see Georgia going uh, now in 2023? Now that Manning is committed to Texas, I don't. I don't think they'll get take anybody in the class of 2023. Kirby Smart is not going to just uh, sign, put a scholarship out there just to put a scholarship out there. I think he feels very confident with the the three other guys besides Stetson in the quarterback room right now, and I think they're very very close to making some noise in the class of 2024 with guys like Julian Say and maybe a Jaden Davis who's actually from the state of Georgia, grew up a Georgia fan. So that's going to kind of be a who who wants on board first between those two, I feel like. Uh, so I think Georgia's attention will turn more to 2024, and you know as well as I do, Coach Donnan, that now the transfer portal is always there if you need to dip into it. Yep. Good point. But what about Dominic Rayola? Uh, do we, you know, he's committed to Ohio State. We were in good with him, and then we let him kind of, you know, simmer a little bit while we we're waiting on Manning. Do you think we still got any kind of shot with him, the great quarterback that Matthew Stafford played with his dad with the Lions? Yeah, he's another guy in the 2024 class that Georgia is still in communication with, uh, still trying to trying to work on a relationship there. But I feel like Julian saying and Jaden Davis are the best two bets in that class going forward, especially, I mean, just look at what Ohio State's putting around Rayola in, 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 his, in the class of 2023 and 2024 receiver-wise. It's going to be hard to pull him away from Ohio State. 
Okay, uh, let's get to the running back situation. You know, we lost two good running backs last year. We got uh, McIntosh and Milton and Edwards, and we got some good young ones coming in. What does it look like for uh, uh, who we're going to get for the one or two running backs for this year? Yeah, the main focus is is Justice Haynes. It's Justice Haynes or bust right now. That's the guy that that Georgia. That's the guy that that Georgia really really wants, and uh, I think that they're they're they've put their best foot forward all the way throughout that. Alabama's trying to trying to make some noise in there. They had Richard Young in for a visit. So Georgia and Alabama are, are both kind of uh, in the top two running for both those two running backs. But another guy you want to keep a eye on is if they if and when they do sign Justice Haynes or get Justice Haynes on board as a commitment, you want to start looking at Jamarian Wilcox, who's a running back out of South Paulding that is very, very talented. Georgia hasn't offered yet, but they've stayed in contact and been very upfront with him on what's going on. So I think, I think Jamarian Wilcox is a guy maybe to look at that second running back spot if things uh, work out with Justice Haynes. Yeah, that's always good to know about those guys because uh, you, you always got to have somebody in the hip pocket and, you saw what happened several years ago when we waited and waited, and then we took Edwards late, and it worked out extremely well. I, I can see that happening with this guy. Going on down, we're, we're just stroking the offense right now. We we didn't do that great on the offensive line recruiting in the 2022 class. Ernest Green certainly looks like a guy that's going to help us right away. The other's going to have to simmer a little bit and, and get better. But what do you see on the O-line here for the 2023 class for us uh, going forward here? But Georgia's really going all in on trying to get T.J. Shanahan, trying to get Samson Okunala, two big, talented, athletic tackles. Uh, Shanahan could could move into guard uh, potentially, but two guys that they're that are up there in that five star range that they really, really are after and really want. Dale McGee's helping out on T.J. Shanahan, so that tells you how big of a priority he is. Um, so you know, different different kind of approach to offensive line, similar approach actually to the quarterback, right? Go all in on some of those bigger prospects, but then you've also got other guys like Monroe Freeling that they're going after. Uh, Shamrod Umarov is he's out of Denmark uh, High School in Alpharetta. He's committing on July 8th, so Georgia's in the running there. Connor Liu out of Kennesaw Mountain. There's lots of options in the state actually that Georgia's after, but, but Okunala and TJ Shanahan are the two that they want covet the most right now how about smith down at uh, uh columbus yeah kelton smith uh, is is a guy that that uh del mcgee has a great relationship with i feel like georgia sits really good um for him right now uh but again you know that columbus area as well as i do the other other schools auburn uh florida state they all try to get in there late in the mix but i feel like georgia's done a really good job with kelton smith and uh you know he, I think he's committing later in this month, the 19th, some, something around that, that line. So we'll see um, where Georgia ends up with him. But I think, I think they feel good about Kelton Smith right now. So would he be somebody we would take if he committed? I believe, I believe Georgia would take that commitment. All right. Getting back real quickly to those first two you mentioned, just for our fans, you, you mentioned those five stars. Tell us, uh, Shannon and the other kid, where are they exactly from just for the – uh, yeah. So TJ, TJ Shanahan was originally from uh, the Orlando, Florida area. His first two years of high school, he moved out to Westlake, uh, Westlake, Texas, um, out, out there in uh, Westlake High School and around the Austin area. And he is a guy who, <clears throat> excuse me, he, he's being recruited by Texas A&M, being recruited by LSU and Georgia. Those are the three he's taking official visits to. And then um, Samson Okunala is actually out of the um, Massachusetts area. So him and Jonel Aguirre on the defensive side, both guys are trying to bring in from the New England area. Yeah, when you said that guy from Denmark High School, uh, I was thinking about the kid from Finland. How are we doing with yeah. him? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't at this point see uh, Olas uh, Alenin uh, being part of Georgia's class. I think Georgia's worked really hard to try to get get in there with him, but some guys uh, different have different things that, that are important to him. I think uh, Miami, Alabama uh, are more in running for Olas at this point. Yeah, they should have had me on the official visit talk to him. My name is Oli Anson. I come from <laughs> Hey, you could have you could have nailed it down. 
Yeah, so I'm being all the aunts, and I like to fish over there. All right, so we're going to go on to uh, you. Hey, Coach, did you ever do any international recruiting yourself? Yeah, I mean, I went to Mexico. I, I was good down there. I mean, uh, hat and dance. I did it with the mother. We had a good time. <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, That's let's a good go clip right there. Hey, let's go on to uh, real quickly here. job, Dane, and uh, filling us all in. So, uh, we had a tremendous recruiting class secondary-wise last year. I mean, and you add the Washington kid to that who came in for the summer, and he's getting rave reviews here on his workouts. What about our secondary class for uh, 2023? How's that looking? I mean, A.J. AJ Harris is someone that it doesn't matter what class, what year, that is a unbelievable prospect to bring in and one that looked to be headed elsewhere for a while. Georgia had actually lost some momentum. They bring him in um, looking looking really good, of course, with a, a corner. Where AJ's from, everybody on the AJ, show. AJ is from, AJ is from Phoenix City, uh, Alabama, Central, Central Phoenix over there. Uh, so he uh, – He's a talented guy that they took out of the state of Alabama. You know, they kind of split those guys. Tony Mitchell was a guy that they they kind of looked at right there. He ends up going to Alabama. A.J. Harris comes to Georgia. And then you've got Caleb Downs that's in the state of Georgia that is Georgia's biggest priority right now, a safety out of uh, Mill Creek High School that Georgia really, really wants. They're battling Ohio State and Alabama for him right now. And I think that that could change the entire complexion of the secondary uh, class for Georgia. Yeah, One I know thing you about know. AJ Harris too, real fast. Is that now he's he going to say something as a general manager because he's from I, down I'm down not. I, I'm going to say something as someone that lived in that area. Hey, that's uh, what you, I just had to bust you, man. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> early, early in his high school career, AJ Harris played at Glenwood School. It's in Smith Station, private Christian school. Uh, level of competition is very slim there. However, transferring to Phoenix City, a 7A team in Alabama at Central High School, and he still was a good player and, and a star. That says a lot about him. Well, you know who the best player in Phoenix City, Alabama history was? Uh, Eddie Lowe would tell you it's Eddie Lowe. <laughs> Jimmy Red Phillips, 1957, <laughs> Auburn Tigers, All-American, also played pro football. Uh, what a player he was. But I'd like we'd like to bust uh, Dwayne hey. Dane in the show, Bane, uh, Blaine, Dane and Blaine. We could have a good shot. <laughs> I know. Rolling, Coach. I, I just wanted to say, uh, do you think that it hurts us that uh, on Caleb Downs that we didn't recruit his brother uh, and offer his brother. You think the family that holds that against Georgia or, uh, I mean, is that a, is that a good, good question or what's the I mean, I, it can't, it can't help, you know, it can't help that, that they didn't, didn't really go all after uh, Josh Downs, who in his own right is a very explosive player is, is going to be an NFL receiver hands down. Um, so I'm sure there may be some residual there, but at the same time, Caleb's another side of the ball. Kirby Smart is a defensive minded head coach. I, I would feel like there, uh, there would be enough in the way of, you know, what Georgia offers to maybe overcome that if that were the case. But I think it's just now a battle of who's going to, who's going to do more to show that, that Caleb Downs can be developed and turned into a pro player between uh, Ohio state, Alabama and Georgia, arguably Georgia does that better than anybody with the secondary, but you look at what they're putting together. This class coach is special between AJ Harris, Daniel Harris, and Justin Rett already to back up that 2022 class that you said was a historic DB hall. So if they were to add Caleb Downs to it, watch out for the Georgia secondary for the next, you know, four or five years. Yeah. I think one of the things that's helped uh, Ohio state a little bit, just hitting my recruiting part on it is the fact that they hired this Knowles guy from Oklahoma state as a D coordinator. And they brought in a couple defensive specialists, one from Cincinnati who coached those corners that got drafted this year by Cincinnati. And I think that's helping them a little bit uh, with their approach. You know, Ohio State's had a really bad defense last couple of years, and now they're trying to say, hey, we got this guy in here and blah, blah, blah. So we'll see how that goes. But, Dane, you just did an outstanding job today. We're going to give you an A+. Plus. Uh, hey, can I ask a follow-up question as a GM here? Because uh, <laughs> look at Coach's eyes roll. <laughs> uh, go ahead and see if you can screw this one up. Let's go. We had a good I'm down. I, I am down he's to take a dump on the you, show. He's going to ask you who's going to be the quarterback for Georgia next year. That's going to be his question. We all know it's Stetson Bennett, so we don't have to talk about that. He's going to get another year. Um, right. No, but 
I'm of the opinion that you want a quarterback in every single class because in the stat that I'm making up right now, 50% of quarterbacks end up transferring in college. And so, Coach, we already know that, like, Georgia always has to have arms, if nothing else, for practice squad stuff. Uh, would you not just take a quarterback in 2023 and hope it's a project you can develop? Now, we've got good walk-ons here. we got guys that can throw. Uh, you know, Muschamp's son's still here. Uh, they, they always bring in at least one guy to do that, that that's maybe not on scholarship. So that's, that's one of the best questions you've had. I mean, you really work and you're getting better. So, But it's hard not to take a quarterback every year. But at this point, uh, I thought uh, Blaine set it up pretty good. We were all in on Manning. I mean, at, at this point, it's there's so many guys that are already committed otherwhere. You're just not going to go in and take a guy just to come in and uh, hopefully that he's going to be on the come and make it. So, uh, but – Anything from you, Roddy? Uh, are you on the show today? I mean, I'm here. I'm just laughing. Uh, hey, Blaine, you did a great job. Appreciate it. Now get back to work. I know that uh, we interrupted your busy recruiting day. So <laughs> get to go back to work because we need content on the front page as usual. Good Indeed, job, yeah. Blaine. And Blaine uh, just yeah. does a tremendous job, as Jed will talk about, of uh, interviewing these prospects. And, uh, I mean, it, sometimes these guys talk to them more than the coaches do. And these guys open up and you get a lot of – good stuff on the rival site here so how much is it roddy how do they sign up hey it's 27 cents a day just go to ugasports.com sign up and you get all the recruiting news and blaine actually has a recruiting show he and jed they do a uh, rumors versus facts show every monday at 8 15 they didn't do it on uh the fourth of july the losers but any yeah. other week uh you can catch them on this same youtube channel 8 15 but if you really want the good stuff because that's the that's all the free stuff. If you want the behind-the-scenes stuff, the scoop, go to ugasports.com, sign up. It's $99 a year, $0.27 cents a day. So well, also, also, Ruddy, they can see why I didn't have the uh, show because we all, almost blew ourselves up on the 4th of July with a <laughs> malfunction fireworks. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. You yeah, can see that on the vault, day. too. So it's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Good job. Good job, right. Stumpy. We'll see you later. That's it. Sorry, hit the wrong button there. Uh, I do want to point out, Coach, uh, a couple of those guys that we were talking about. Uh, Justin Rett is the number – the cornerback uh, out of Las Vegas, Nevada, that uh, they mentioned. That is the number 60 player in the nation. Daniel Harris is the number two – you know, the out of Miami. He's number 214. And uh, A.J. Harris, I believe, is number 27. So I know rankings aren't – you know, they aren't perfect – the point being, you've got three players in the top 200 in the nation already committed to Georgia secondary. And, of course, Caleb Downs is the number one safety in America. So uh, back-to-back back already strong uh, recruiting classes in the secondary. So very, yeah. very impressive what they're doing. I would just point out two people here, uh, Lad McConkey and Kamari Wilson. Uh, come on. Kamari Lasseter? I mean, Kamari – certainly Kamari Wilson, but Kamari Lasseter is one that's here. Uh, not really that highly recruited, either one of them, but both going to be starters for Georgia next year. So, I mean, the thing that we have over anybody in the country, I think, is the way Kirby can uh, evaluate defensive backs. I mean, look at uh, Lewis Seen. Uh, people trying to figure out what he was going to do. Uh, look at the quality of defensive backs getting recruited. And you're going to see, you know, we, we had uh, the kid playing for, for excuse me, Green Bay this year. Uh, Eric Stone. And, and then, yeah, and then uh, Campbell starting for the Jaguars right in the secondary. And then Tyreek Stevens is going to get drafted this year out of Miami. You know, it's just the way it goes. We got players. Yeah. And hey, hey, Coach, uh, Novak Djokovic just came back from two sets down to beat Yannick Center in Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a good, good comeback by – Looked like he didn't know what he's doing the first two sets, but uh, we're looking at we're looking at we're looking at a Nadal Djokovic final. I mean, that's what's going to happen. So we'll see how it goes. But so, Roddy, who's bringing us this show today? Give us a good because uh, I can't wait to tell everybody what's going to happen on these big conferences. Yeah, I do want to mention our friends over at Academic Brewing Company, and then the reason, the main reason being. I was looking this past weekend and they had this, you know, they do it every month. They had an amazing car show 
And it was just one of those days that I couldn't get over there. I wanted to go check out all the, the amazing looking cars. It's a good classic car show. I mean, the pictures that were posted were just killing me. I really wanted to go see it. Uh, but I, I will be able to get redemption this coming Thursday. Uh, this Thursday night is bike night. So uh, you can check it out. It's the, um, uh, they do it the first Thursday of every month. Of course, the month started on a Friday. So basically in a couple of days on the 7th of July, you can go out to Academy Brewing Company and check out bike night. All these motorcycles will be out there. It's a fun event. Um, you definitely need to hit it up. And of course they have some new beers out there. They always have something new and they have great food, but uh, they have, you know, like I said, they have comedy shows. They have the beer and biscuit brunch, uh, live music. There's always something going on at Academy Brewing Company. So check them out. But if you really want to do something fun, go out there this night for a bike night. It's a lot of fun with the uh, the Lita's Athens group will be there as well. And of course, I also want to mention our friends at Dead Soxy. I had someone who tried them recently say, I always wore these Balinga, Balinga socks. There's apparently these really ridiculously expensive socks. And uh, that was their go-to. Don't be doing free plugs for other companies. This is Dead Soxy. They they were talking about how great their socks were. They would never change socks, but we we got them to try some of the Dead Soxy ones. I think it was uh, um, back when, uh, maybe around... uh, Christmas or so, but he said, Hey, these are the most comfortable socks I've ever worn. They're more comfortable than my, the more expensive socks. And he just, he apparently really likes the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the seam on them. The, Cause it's a flat seam. He's like, this is comfortable. I'm like, great. To me, they're just super, com- they're super comfortable. So that's the, the, what they're made of. Off, so that's why I like them. The seam, the seam is nice. The flat seams are good, especially if you uh, do a lot of running or jogging, something like that. You don't have them pressing down against your toes, but uh, just big sh- want to point out an actual unsolicited testimonial from somebody who buys ridiculously expensive socks. They get less expensive socks that are a better fit and they're more comfortable. So do that. Check out Dead Soxy. If you don't like them, then you uh, they'll give you your money back, but you're, you're, you probably can't be pleased because these are the best damn socks in the world. All right, coach, I did want to talk to you a little bit about the, the whole USC, uh, UCLA thing. I, I, I get why they're doing it, but this just kind of came out of left field the other day. And I'm trying to think about the, like the, uh, basketball teams. If you're, if you play for the Trojans, you know, you had a Wednesday night home game, then Saturday, you're going all the way across the country. Then the following Wednesday, when you're you got to go all the way across the country again before you get a home game. This, give me your thoughts on this conference expansion. This just seems odd. Well, here here's what you got to look at. Uh, let's look at TV re- revenue. Pac-12's getting ready to try to do something about their revenue, and uh, they're getting like thirty million a year. That's what every school's getting. That's not enough to substitute. Uh, subsidize all these uh, minor sports, uh, and I don't mean they're minor sports, but non-revenue, Olymp- Olympic sport, non-revenue. So all of a sudden, instead of getting thirty million a year, you're going to get a minimum of a hundred million a year, three times as much by going to the Big Ten. You can't get too caught up in in the, these uh, trips and these. Uh, I think they'll work out some kind of way where they have an Eastern and Western division and all that. And they'll, they, you know, they might not uh, have, but so many um, matches a year for the tennis team and maybe have a couple of tournaments where everybody goes to one side or same thing for golf and, and things like that. That that's, remains to be seen, but you just got to look at the, at the way everything's trending in uh, college athletics is towards the super conferences uh, to be able to uh, get this TV and, as soon as uh, within 15 minutes of when they said they were getting accepted by the Big Ten, Apple TV, who Apple TV, the last time I saw something on sports on Apple TV was the first time I've ever seen anything. <laughs> so they're going to bid with all their billions of dollars for the rights to the Big Ten conference along with Amazon. So they're going to compete with Fox and ESPN and say, look, this is how much money we're going to do to give you all these games. So who knows what we might be streaming, all of this stuff. But what we're going towards, and the only thing I'll tell you about this show, when I tell you a sure thing, I back it. Sure thing, there's going to be two, at least 20-team conferences between the Big Ten and the SEC. 
Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina are going to be in the SEC pretty quick. North Carolina's basketball helps them a lot along those lines, but those four teams are going to be coming in here to go along with maybe a couple more from the West Coast. You're seeing today in the Pac-12, four teams there. Uh, uh, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State are meeting with the Big 12 today about going into their conference. So if they do that, you know, the, the Pac-12 is going to be on life support. All you got left is Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State, and Washington. You got to believe that Washington and Oregon are viable to a lot of conferences, particularly the Big Ten. If you get them in there too, then you got a whole half of the Pac-12 coming in the Big Ten. Uh, Virginia and Pitt are very viable going to the Big Ten uh, with their uh, eastern market. When you look up and down the eastern seaboard, uh, all the, 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 the markets with uh, Virginia Beach, Richmond, all that stuff coming in there, and you add that to the Maryland already in the Big Ten, Rutgers in the Big Ten, and then you bring Pittsburgh, the whole state of Pennsylvania. So all of a sudden, Big Ten is going to be fighting just like SEC. And what we're going to see is eight or 12-team playoff, and when that bid comes up in 2025 for the playoffs, it's going to be monumental. You know, right now ESPN's got that. But all of a sudden when you got eight or 12 teams Buying for that, who knows what's going to happen. So, writing these teams down that you said, Dan. Give me that again. Well, he said Miami. He said Florida State. He said North Carolina. And was it Clemson? Right. Okay. My question, my my follow-up, would Duke and North Carolina be willing to be in different conferences? I don't think North Carolina's in a position to worry too much about Duke. I mean, Duke's, you know, Duke basketball is is – it's what's going to help them, but their football has been terrible the last seven or eight years. Cutcliffe did a good job, of, but they're, they're, they don't draw anybody to, to their football games. And you look at these teams, and when you sit around like I got time, like Roddy, and we sit around and watch all this stuff, but uh, I don't know if he does it or not. He's always on this political stuff. But uh, the, thing, <laughs> the, the thing that you see is what do these when – when a marquee game is on, Oklahoma or Texas is on in the Big 12, then you got a pretty good Fox, you know, at 12 o'clock, Fox gets a lot of, of uh, you know, people watching. But who else? People aren't watching Texas Tech and uh, TCU. They're not watching Kansas and Kansas State. So all of a sudden, Big 12's got to have something to show these people that are bidding for their rights that now we've got Colorado, you know, Utah, all these teams coming in. And uh, even though they're in the, you know, they're also got the teams that we know they're coming in there when Oklahoma and Oklahoma, excuse me, Oklahoma and Texas left, they picked up Cincinnati, uh, U, uh, University of Central Florida, a couple more teams and the end of the big 12, but that's going to be two more years. So what you're going to see maybe is Oklahoma and Texas might be able to get in our league in 2023 uh, instead of 2024, 2025, I think, with all these teams moving around. Uh, the one thing I would say is everybody was barking on this guy last year, Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, particularly when they were sitting around not knowing what to do two years ago about COVID. He didn't have any experience coming in from the NBA and all that. This uh, guy's ridiculed. This guy's sitting in the catbird seat right now with those – uh, and I saw where uh, Smith, the uh, athletic director of Ohio State, was asking about Big Ten and SEC. He said, hey, we've been on different uh, trends here the last few years, but all of a sudden we're picking our stuff up. And really they are, I mean, because as much as we as Southerners love our football and love the traditions and all, let me tell you something. Those people in Ohio and Michigan and uh, th th there's a lot of big stadiums up there. Even the even the teams that aren't the one the best ones, you know, Iowa Hawkeye fans. They're loyal as everything can be. So there's a lot of people that live in the in the uh, Northeast and the Midwest a lot more than maybe the Southern states. So these TV dollars are going to be generated. So 
We'll I mean, some context on the TV dollars piece real it fast. It's a brilliant move by UCLA and uh, USC getting in the league, and uh, it was just a brilliant move. Ask what me. you said. What you said about Apple TV Plus is a big, big, big deal. And you you said you hadn't seen sporting events on there, and you're pretty much right, though they have been dipping their toe in the water with Major League Baseball. I think they have a Friday night package where they show one baseball game a week right now. So that they're, they're dipping the toe in the sports water. Assuming that that continues to go well, I think that, like you said, Coach, it's not really a competition with media companies because Apple has so much more money than an ESPN or a Fox. Well, here's the other thing. Uh, when, when you look at uh, Apple TV, watch next year. Thursday night football, Amazon. They just hired uh, Kirk Herbstreit and uh, the guy that does the sun- Saturday, the Sunday night for for, uh, uh, for uh, NBC. What was his name? Uh, the short guy that uh, I know you're Al talking Michael, about. Al Michaels. They, they hired Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels to be their lead guys, and they're paying Kirk like twice as much as he makes for ESPN just for the Thursday night game. And that's, uh, that's nuts. Yeah, that, that was uh, we mentioned this maybe a year ago, uh, talking about pe- people going after rights, and it was like, oh, Fox versus CBS, you know. Uh, uh, and then you start talking about the parent companies, like, wait a minute, they're you know. When Disney decides they want something, okay, that's impressive. But when you start talking Amazon and Google, you know, and Alphabet's trying to get a hold of something, it's like, okay, I don't care how big ESPN thinks you are. You are a rounding error when it comes to Amazon, you know, and uh, the people are getting more and more used to the idea of streaming because how many people have said, I would cut my cords except for live sports? And people realize that. They're like, you know, we don't have – Anybody that says, "Hey, I got to be here," uh, uh, you know, let's. When was the last time everybody was watching the same TV show? It just doesn't happen. No, no one's turning around, you know, to watch uh, Cheers Thursday at eight o'clock like they used to. Now it's everyone's streaming it. Did you see this show? Did you watch it on vacation? It's not happening except for live sports. The only time you see everybody on the same page on Twitter is when they're watching live sports. Amazon sees this. Google, you know, uh, uh, Apple TV sees this, and so they're then they got more money and. How much more? I mean, they've got all this money in reserve. What, what the hell are they doing with it? They're going to go grit these sports. So that's a great point, Coach. I had not thought about here's what coming wanna, in. Here's what I want to make sure of to, to clarify that. Apple was not going to bid on the Big Ten rights. Yeah. And then when UCLA and USC came in, now all of a sudden, whole country, and it's a different ball game. And, of course, they're licking their chops because they know they're going to bring that up even more. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, some of these smaller conferences do is on these uh, rights fees, they uh, they don't give the, the same amount of money to, to every school in the conference because of all the teams that draw all the money uh, don't feel like it's right. So well, you don't have any of that now uh, with the larger schools. But, uh, you know, Vanderbilt – I mean, they give them a lot of credit. I mean, they're in their league. They get, they get beat. They, you know, they did great in men's golf and stuff like that this year. But they get a lot of money, uh, and probably they don't need it with all their endowment. That's the thing. <laughs> about, that's the thing about Duke and Stanford. I mean, both of them got so much endowment, it really doesn't matter. But I would say Stanford and Duke really look what's going to happen with them. Also, Kansas and Kansas State. I could see Kansas going into the Big East and playing basketball and as an independent in football. But the biggest caveat, we're getting ready to bring Jeb Bay in here, the biggest caveat in the whole ball of wax, what's Notre Dame going to do? You uh, took the question right out of my mouth. I want to ask that. If Notre Dame goes Big Ten, uh, we'll see what happens. Their, their rights are coming up. You know, they have their, their rights for their games. Uh, home games that NBC has, but uh, they got to look at, hey, that's not as near as much money as we could get, $100 million going in and playing in a league. And right now they play in the ACC in all sports except football as far as the championship. They got a new coach. Uh, their athletic director been on the cutting edge. But if, if all of us – Instead of Clemson, Coach. 
What's that? Uh, take uh, Notre Dame instead of Clemson. What Any about? Other? I'm just saying Notre Dame's looking for a spot. Tell Clemson, oh, no, the door closed. We're taking Notre Dame instead. Well, the SEC would take Notre Dame and a New York man if anybody would. Go after them. But I don't think – I think if I'm them, I'd go to the Big Ten just because – but all of a sudden the Big Ten, as much as I like the SEC, if all of a sudden you got Oregon coming in along with Notre Dame uh, plus UCLA and uh, USC, I mean, that, that Big Ten is pretty tough. I know so, we have to transition, but we have a couple questions. So 10 seconds or less, Coach, what does all this mean for Georgia Tech? I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a heck of an engineer. There's going to be a lot of engineers up there, man. They're, they're going to be – I don't think there's going to be a lot of pro football players because I don't know what's going to happen to them. Uh, I, I can't see them getting in uh, – if they went to any league, I would think it would be the Big Ten. I don't see them getting in the SEC. Nothing against them, but no. – uh, I mean, sounds so sad do, about it. We do, we do have something against them, but <laughs> – yeah, we do. Hey, let's bring in uh, Jed May. He's our other recruiting writer at UJSports.com. Between he and uh, Blaine Gilmer and Trent and uh, even Paul sometimes. Paul does a good job when he can get off his uh, roofing job and be out there doing some stuff. But Jed's our, uh, our, our travel guy. He's constantly on the road checking people out, and that's a great thing at UJSports.com. You don't, we, we don't write stories about what people say. We actually yeah. Jed, and he, go, he goes on site and sees these kids. He just went up to see uh, Jamal Jarrett, the uh, number two defensive tackle in the nation up in North Carolina, brought back some barbecue. The real reason we send him on the road is, road is to bring back food. But uh, let's bring Jed on. And, Coach, uh, go ahead and hit Jed up with some questions. Jed, you look like you're on the golf course, man. Is that where you are? I am, man. I'm a, there's a, took a family vacation to Ohio for Fourth of July week, so today was our – our golf outing, but you know when Coach Don and summons you to be on UGA Sports Live, you, you kind of make it work. So, so uh, what? How you playing right now? Awful, absolutely horrible. So me, me, my dad, and one of our cousins are playing like a scramble deal going on, and we're let's see, we're three over through through eight. We just bogey the par five. You got to get an eraser on your pencil there and change that scorecard. You need to get a new eraser. That's we're three over with an eraser. So let's just get right to it here, uh, Jed. Tell us where you, what, what's uh, how long before Jarrett commits, and what do you chances are? So he's he's got a planned commitment date of July nineteenth. I believe that's his birthday. Is my there's some birthday involved? Um, and you know he's got a top three of Georgia, Auburn, North Carolina. I think it's the real two are Georgia, North Carolina. I th- I like Georgia's chances here. I think Georgia has shown the the belief in him from day one, right? Because we heard all of these comparisons once he popped up on Georgia's radar of, you know, a huge guy, lower recruited from North Carolina. You get the obvious Jordan Davis comparisons, right? So I think the belief that Trey Scott has shown in it from day one, they've made him pretty much their top defensive line priority in this class, especially when you look at interior defensive line. So I like Georgia's chances. I think North Carolina is in this purely for the appeal of playing at home. But I ultimately, I think, um, George is going to win out, and, and he's going to be a Bulldog come July 19th. What about his relationship with the kid that signed with him last year? Does that have any bearing on it at all? I mean, it does. Um, Travis Shaw is a guy that he – when I was talking to his coach and I was up there, he learned a lot from, especially as far as how the recruiting process works and, and all that kind of stuff. But he Jamal actually had a um, – like, ask me anything on Instagram a few weeks ago. And one of the questions was, what's the most annoying thing you hear or something? It says, all these people telling me to go to North Carolina and play with Trav. It just gets on my nerves. So he's definitely not um, – he's not going to – North. Like, if he goes to North Carolina, it won't be because of the, the teaming up with Travis Shaw. That would be a uh, – you know, that would be cool for him, I'm sure. But that's not like the – that's the reason that North Carolina is at the top – towards the top of this list. Okay, that's good uh, to know about that. Uh, let, let's go – we had – our, our man Blaine Gilmer on early and he talked about some people, but uh, one of the things I feel good about to you and watching your stuff on our website is, is your interaction with players going after the one. 
how do you feel about uh, our, our uh, linebacker class for this coming season coming in? And where do we stand and how many guys do we uh, going to take? And uh, do we really going to get bowls or how's it looking? That's what it looks. I mean, you, you figure they're going to take at least three guys because especially when you look at this last year at the 22 class, no one really knows what's what's going to happen with Cedric Washington and his football future. And that's obviously nothing you can know about when you sign him, but it's one of those unfortunate things where you bring him in as a talented inside linebacker in that class and all of a sudden he suffers this neck injury and everything's kind of up for grabs. So they've added C.J. Allen, which is a great foundational starting off piece for the class. And then, yeah, like they look really good for Troy Bowles. We've been telling people at UGA Sports, Georgia's look good for Raylan Wilson. While Wilson was still committed to Michigan, and obviously he decommitted just the other day. So I like where Georgia sits for both of those guys. And you think it kind of seems impossible that they would add those two guys on top of C.J. Allen, a guy who, in my opinion, is really underrated for us. But um, that's what – if I was a betting man, I'd say they get all three of those guys right now. So real quick, just for the fans that, that aren't – reading your stuff tell us where Allen and and Coles and uh, where these guys are from real quickly and then we'll go to the next one uh so cj allen is an in-state guy he is from i want to say barnesville lamar county i know i think pretty sure that's barnesville uh troy bowles is from i believe jacksonville tampa no, his, his father he, is, is he, he plays in, uh, in uh, tampa yeah because his father obviously is todd bowles yeah. the, the head coach for the buccaneers and then you got raylan wilson who's from tallahassee um, was committed to Michigan, decommitted, I want to say within the past week, I'm pretty sure. Um, so all three of those guys, Georgia's been in on a lot. They've been on bowls since the beginning. They've been on Wilson even while he was committed to Michigan. So they, they look good. obviously they look good for C.J. Allen, being that he's committed, but they look really good for the other two as well. So we, we know we lost the kid to uh, Texas, and you just mentioned uh, Jarrett from uh, Greensboro. Anybody else in line that, that's really a priority at this point? Um, so they're looking at Jordan Hall out of Jacksonville. He actually just released a top – I mean, not that top tens really mean anything necessarily, but Jordan's in his top ten. Um, they're still in on James Smith out of Alabama. He is big buddies with Quay Rousseau, so there's the typical, you know, could they be a package deal type thing. I don't necessarily know about that, but uh, they've been to Georgia together a lot. Um, and then, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard nowadays because there's so many – like, is a guy a three technique? Is he uh, an edge? Is he a pure interior? There's so many different ways these guys can go. Like, Kelby Collins, also out of Alabama, took an official Georgia a couple weeks ago. He's a guy that could kind of – he could be that Trayvon Walker mold. He could bulk up and play inside. There's a whole lot of different ways he could go. Um, but as far as interior guys, yeah, Jarrett's at the top of the list. And then I'd probably say probably uh, – prob- I mean, I think James Smith is number two on the wish list, but I think they're more likely to get Jordan Hawks. I think James Smith is probably ticketed for Alabama. Yeah, everybody knows about Georgia's uh, the tight end room that we have right now, and we've got Delp coming in. Tell us about these tight ends we've got for uh, 2023, uh, Lucky and uh, and the uh, other uh, Spurs. Yeah, if anyone has been hankering for, you know, uh, longing for the days of Chris Durham, Pierce Sperlin's your guy. He's a really tall, fluid route runner. I mean, I think – He's obviously listed as a tight end. I think he could be listed as receiver for, for rivals and not really miss a beat. Just he's a he's a receiver in a tight end's body. I think his biggest thing, and I think this has been an adjustment for Oscar Dell too, is going to be adjusting to the the blocking demands of, of a tight end in the SEC and what George asked their tight ends to do. Lawson Lucky physically is more like a traditional tight end, but he's got great ball skills. I, mean, I watched him play against um honestly it was Milton in the playoffs last year. And Norcross needs a late drive. And they threw up, I think, three straight jump balls to Lawson Lucky on a last-ditch drive, and it came down with all of them. And it's kind of like, why, wow. you, why haven't you been doing this all game? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, those two guys. And then you, you look at, I mean, there's chances. Like, they're involved with Deuce Robinson, who's a guy that's, I believe he's the number one tight end. Georgia's involved. But I think the tight end class is shaping up where they're not going to take another guy unless a guy were to leave. And at this point, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any transfers before the season. And then after the season, a lot of these guys' recruitments might be wrapped up. So right now it looks like Sperlin and Lucky is probably going to be how the tight end class shakes out. Good points. Okay, uh, final question here. Wide receiver-wise, uh, how do you think we stand right now, and what does it look like for anybody else that we're going after? Yeah, wide receiver is a – that's that's the, the year plus I've been here. People ask about wide receiver recruiting a lot. When's Georgia going to sign a five-star receiver? So I think if, when you're looking at five-star receivers, just – Hakeem Williams, who, 
it kind of seems like a Georgia and A&M battle there. Georgia seemed like the leader. Then A&M got in for reasons you can in- interpret on your own. And <laughs> there's um, – but you look at a guy like Tyler Williams. Tyler Georgia looks in a good spot for Tyler Williams. There's Anthony Evans, Georgia. Blaine posted a note on him the other day that he's – When he mentioned these guys, tell them where they're from too. Tyler Williams is out of Florida. Akeem Williams is out of Miami. Anthony Evans, I believe, is from Texas. Um, so there's those three. There's Jalen Hill, also out of Texas, and that's the one where he came on the official visit with Arch Manning, and people were like, okay, Arch Manning and Hale, like, package deal. And then Arch is obviously gone to Texas, but I think Georgia still sits in a really good spot with um, with Jalen Hill. He had an interview with one of our national writers not that long ago. He said, Georgia's number one, USC is number two. Um, so that's really interesting to see. Interesting to see, especially since that interview was after Arch Manning's commitment. So, yeah, if, if Georgia can land one of those guys and then you bring in some some complimentary pieces around them, I think this could be a good receiver class. But, but there's there's so many moving pieces involved right now. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how McClendon closes, you know, his first full class. All right, uh, really good job, Jed, and uh, I know I speak for Roddy and uh, Dane and everybody on the site. The every you know it's in there cold on the guy and, and develop a relationship and I think that's one of the things that's really done a tremendous job here in your first year working for Georgia uh, going in there and uh, mm. come on buddy Let's talk to him I mean he goes in there it's, and he gets a lot of stuff from these guys I Roddy said if I keep it up he'll start paying me in food next year as opposed to just like lottery tickets yeah, well, well, so, uh, he's, he's still got his first grade lunch money so uh Please apologize to him for us taking you away, but we appreciate you being on with us. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Hopefully, I'll make a few birdies for you all in this back night. Did, did you want to hit a shot on air while Roddy uh, goes to the, the next ad and talks about your pie? Uh, that's going to be a no, it looks like. He, he doesn't want to do are it. We ready, are we ready to tee off right here? Oh, we're letting two guys play through, so. All right. I totally would. I was trying to embarrass you on air. Next time. Oh, that would have embarrassed me on air. Well, I got you guys next time. Well, he'll hurt his hand again, so. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, the last couple times Jets played golf, he came back with a a brace on his hand, so. But that's that's the type of guy he is. Jed's always working. I'm glad he's actually got a chance to play some golf because he's – I didn't realize golf was a contact sport. Apparently, the way he hit the club, he didn't hit it fat. He just did something when he hit the ball and it uh, made his hand hurt. And I tell you the the best story on the golf course for somebody that's just real quick here. You know, Sue Paterno never played golf, and they were trying to get some some women to play. Uh, and this deal that, you know, we were at this fundraiser. And so she said she'd play. So she goes out to the first tee marker. And you know how the yellow things for the markers and everything? She lined up on that and tried to hit that. Hit the tee. <laughs> she thought that's what she hit. The worst I've ever seen. I mean, and fortunately, we stopped her before she put the club on it. But it was oh, pretty bad. Goodness. Oh, that would have been bad. That, that's, that's maybe what uh, Jed did when he busted his hand. But I, I tease him about it because his hand, he couldn't shoot pictures while he's out on uh, doing all these interviews. And I gave him nine types of hell about it. That his hand healed up and he went and played again and hurt it a second time. <laughs> I'm like, dude, stop playing golf. But he's fine now. So I'm glad yeah, you joined. thing here because every, about every five years, I tell the uh, Switzer weed story on Paterno, but we got to do it because. You know, Coach Paterno is a good guy, but they were on this Nike trip uh, back when I was coaching at Oklahoma, and Switzer told the story. Uh, they were down in the in the Cancun, and Switzer's walking on the beach, and this local guy comes up to him and uh, asks him if he wants some weed. And the Switzer said, no, I don't want it. He said, but that guy up there with the banana glasses, horn rim glasses, up standing on the pool talking to people, he's been looking for some weed all day. <laughs> <laughs> it was Paterno. <laughs> this guy walks up to Paterno unassuming. He thinks Paterno wants the weed, and he goes up there and starts trying to hit him in front of all these people. It was oh, hilarious, man. Oh, that, that's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, if you want weed, well, if, 
we can't help you there, but we can help you with some THC products. If you check out our friends over at Rogue Up, uh, the Rogue Shop, they have a July 4th special going on. We don't normally mention them on this show because they advertise one of our other ones. But uh, just because it's on sale, I want people to know they have a 30% off deal at the Rogue Shop. Go check them out. It's uh, The promo code is July 4th. And that sale is going to go on through the 8th because, yeah, that's uh, he doesn't want it to be. He might be busy on July 4th trying to blow stuff up. So, um, But no, they, they have a bunch of THC products, non-THC products, uh, CBD oils. So if that's in your uh, bailiwick, uh, hit, our, hit up our friends over at the Rogue Shop when you get a chance. I do want to mention our friends over at Europi. It's very important that uh, we mention them because it's just one of the best places to eat. And they've been a sponsor of our show for maybe since the inception of uh, podcasts of so the Europe folks have been around a really long time. We appreciate them doing what they do. Uh, I always talk about their pizzas and ordering on Tuesday because it's important to um, uh, get your points in on Tuesday, get the double points. But I do want to mention they have, they make sandwiches over there. So go try their uh, uh, chicken bacon club, the Buffalo chicken sandwich. You know, I had the Buffalo chicken sandwich over at uh, classic city eats when we did the last show. Well, there's a buffalo chicken sandwich or your pie you need to try out. Of course, they also have a pesto turkey if you really enjoy uh, something light. And, of course, my favorite sandwich over there, the Nono's Italian sandwich. It has provolone, spinach, tomatoes, red onions, ham, pepperoni, and salami. And it's served with a balsamic vinaigrette that is – that balsamic vinaigrette is fantastic. I know people can make it, but there's – you wind up taking the sandwich and you're running it around the uh, balsamic vinaigrette because you just want to – you don't want to let a drop of it get away. So get up our friends at uh, Europe when you get a chance. You'll be very, very pleased on the sandwich side. I also want to mention our friends out at Athens Ford. Uh, they are getting more and more vehicles. I've been noticing that trend line go up. When you go to their website, AthensFord.com, the big banner at the top says how many vehicles they have available. Right now, they're up to 222 vehicles. So you can go out there and know that the, the lot is actually full. They've got a great service area. Uh, had someone that uh, had to get their car serviced, and they, they have a shuttle. They drove them back to their house. They said, look, drop your car off here. We'll give you a ride home. Uh, we'll take care of you. We'll pick you up when it's done. Of course, they're not going to go 100 miles, but, I mean, it was, it's within the uh, Athens area. They will they have a shuttle, so you don't have to worry about, hey, I need somebody to take me to drop my car off. So, uh, again, it, it's just because they, they do full service. They've been there 10 years. Uh, they have a ridiculously loyal clientele because they take care of their customers and they take care of us. So if you need a new or pre-owned vehicle, hit up our friends at Athens Ford. They will take care of you. All right. Uh, Western time, right? Yeah, let's hit up some questions. Uh, we've got about seven minutes left in the show or so. Or... Yeah, let's go rapid fire here. Speed round. Here we go from ColaDog21 at UGASports.com. Uh, realistic expectations for the defense this year, and then who's going to take the biggest jump in on-field impact? I feel like our defense is going to be outstanding this year. Uh, two different reasons. One, we're reloading on the talent level. We got good players, but it's not a lot of experience at certain But we've got three of the top five, top ten players in the country in uh, Jalen Carter, uh, Keely Ringo, and uh, Nolan Smith, uh, all three high draft choices. Uh, and we've got some really good young players coming in at linebacker and at inside defensive interior but the other reason we're going to be good is our offense is going to be putting a lot of points on the board so we're going to be playing from ahead all the time so people are going to try to be catching up with us so we can play more and dime defense and uh, when you're ahead you can play a lot loosey good not that you don't have the pressure on you like you do in the tight fit games although probably help us to have some of those but i don't see our defense having a a, a big drop itself. From Billy Zane, just how open will the quarterback battle be this fall? Would Stetson need to totally wet the bed not to start, or will it be given like an open competition in practice? Yeah, I don't see any open competition at all because here's a relative uh, close – I mean, a guy's as close to being a sure thing as anybody in the country except Alabama coming back. I mean, he's just outstanding – end of the year last year when you look at the last two games they had. Uh, so I, I think uh, there'll be more competition for number two for sure, But and they'll get to work with the one some to see how they can do, just to see how they react against good players. But it, it's, it's closed. I mean, uh, it's a closed competition. 
know-it-all dog. I guess you don't know it all asking this question, but I love the question anyway. Does Georgia go 12-0 and in the regular season? Hard to win every game. I mean, you very see a team win every game, all these national champions over the last few years. But realistically, we're going to have to lose in the uh, regular season. We're going to have to have a game like South Carolina three years ago. Uh, th- that'll be how we would not be 12-0, and in my opinion. We're going to have to stub our toe, have some bad plays, interceptions, penalties, and all that. Um, you know, we all – Talk on listen to me as a coach, but you always talk about number one, you have to avoid losing before you win. You got to eliminate the penalties, the mistakes, the turnovers, the mental errors, the uh, penalties. Those are the things that decide games. Uh, uh, There's four or five plays in every game in a tight game that could go either way, and you got to make those plays in the tight games. But as I mentioned in the previous question, I see our team being a very uh, wide, open offense it's going to make a lot of score a lot of points we have a really good kicking game and we're going to be um hard to beat on defense because we can run so good i mean sometimes you get beat at the point of attack but you have a catch-up ability with your quickness you know ringo a lot of times got beat off the line last year but he just has such unbelievable speed catching up and uh, 12 and 0 is hard to do i mean hard to win every game from PA Dog 610, Coach, choose your impact two freshmen, one on offense, one on defense? I'd say uh, either Everett in the back end or um, Williams up front uh, on defense. Uh, offense, it's going to be hard for anybody to have that big an impact. Maybe Ernest Green in the offensive line because we need a tackle. Uh, uh, maybe one of those running backs because we need another back, but uh, – I don't see a lot of freshmen playing on our offense right now. I throw Jalen Walker in that mix too, just because Georgia is going to have oh, some new guys at inside linebacker. Defense, yeah. I mean, he, he's going to be in the top four. Yeah. Uh, Red and Black in the day has three questions, but we'll do these rapid fire. When you talk about the importance of team cohesion, are you talking about the overall team or can the offense and defense gel independently of one another? Well, I think you, you certainly gel independently because you spend so much time practicing, uh, doing your own stuff. But you, you've got to understand the elements of a game, how each of them intertwine with each other. I mean, uh, field position based on whether the defense uh, can get the enemy on turnover, whether you put the defense in bad position on turnovers, your kicking game where you start the ball, all that stuff helps you develop a, a kind of a team identity that really uh, helps you uh, understand that it is a team situation. That, you know, the offense uh, has to do things in defense. One of the things every head coach does on Sunday talking to his team in the team meeting is to go over who the next team is and uh, its relative strengths. It might be, hey, we're playing a really good defensive team this week, so defense is probably going to not be able to shut them down. You know, offense, you're going to have to score points here. We're not going to win this game 10 to 10 to three, we're going to need to get some points. So uh, the sooner you can get that across about what the offense needs to do to supplement the defense and vice versa, the better it's going to be. So it's a little bit of both. A pair of wishbone questions. What's the number one attribute a wishbone quarterback should have? Ride and decide. Uh, You got to be able to ride that fullback and decide whether to give or take. And, uh, boy, the sooner we figure that out, and you can get the ball to the second level. I mean, so if you just look at the defense and start out, number four has the uh, pitch. Number three's got the quarterback. Number two could, could get the dive. And uh, you, you got to be able to get that, you know, get the ball to number four where you can pitch it on the perimeter. That's how you win. But I've also won games where we couldn't stop the fullback. And we just always said, hey, let that fullback hit his head on the goalpost. They're going to go let him keep rolling that sucker right up in. But uh, I would ride into side and then number two, estimate the defensive intent. What can they do from how they line up? I mean, a guy can't play the fullback if he's lined up outside the, the tackle a long way. The number one thing we really evolve in our, our wishbone attack 
was we we made a bigger split between the guard and tackle than normal. And what that did was made the defensive tackle have to declare whether he was going to take the fullback or not. If he was a four technique, he's going to have to really close down a little bit because of that wide split. And if they wouldn't split, wouldn't uh, come inside that split, we wore them out with a fullback. But uh, that, that's, that's nobody wants to hear about that. So uh, Well, he did because then he also asked in the wishbone offense, how do you overcome the lack of a tight end? Well, the first thing you do is recruit Keith Jackson. And, uh, <laughs> then you don't worry. It was one night against some of these really bad teams and, and even against a good team. I spent more time worrying about how I was going to get the ball to Keith Jackson than I did anything because we weren't going to throw him but maybe two or three passes a game. And, uh, you know, he was glad to get those, but we put in the tight end reverse and stuff like that. But easily next to Champ Bailey, the best player ever coached. The guy could do anything. And he's done really well with his foundation in Arkansas. He's been a tremendous contributor to to society with all he's done for these young kids in Little Rock. I'm so proud of Keith. And uh, that guy is a complete stallion now. I mean, the guy could catch punts at 6'5", 250. He could dunk a basketball. He could play the cello. I'm not making this up. He played the cello. I mean, his mother made him play the cello. Unfortunately, he passed away about three months ago. I talked to him about it a little bit, but she she was a great lady and really had a lot to do with Keith's success. I mean, uh, she rode him hard and made him do a lot of things academically, and uh, he's just a tremendous athlete. But if you don't have a tight end, then you can use two splits, which is really good. I mean, Line up a tight end into the boundary. You can split both wide receivers, and then they got to decide what are they going to do on run support. Are they going to uh, play cover two and then have no safeties in the alley, or what are they going to? Two splits are pretty good. We used to split Keith out, and he used to really make defensive coordinators mad because they would make their, their call based on the tight end. You know, so that's. Nope. I think the internet gave up for coach. Yeah, because he, he only bought 60 minutes worth. So uh, I know. I know. He's, he's on that plane. Okay. Um, let, let's sneak in these last three real fast. Uh, 1970 dog, I'm concerned about recruiting. Should I be? What's his name? 1970 dog. Come on into 2022, 1970. No, don't worry about it. Go on out and have a beer today. I mean, we're going to finish. <laughs> we're going to finish strong. I mean, we, you know, we never have, it's too early, but we'll finish good. Uh, but I'm not trying to be smart, but Hey, uh, we're, we're going to finish, finish strong. You fall a dog. What are the dog's chances to land Smith and Russell out of Carver Montgomery? I think Smith for sure. The, the, the offensive tackle. Uh, I'm not familiar with the other guy. What does he play, Roy? Okay. Russell. I have to look him up. <laughs> if, he, if, he's, if, he's, if he's from that, if he's from Carver, and we want him, we'll get him. I mean, that's Dell McGee. Well, it's it's Carver Montgomery, Alabama, not Carver Columbus. Uh, but still, that's his territory. I know what you're saying. I just want to make sure listeners know oh, we're not talking about Carver I, High School I mean, I Columbus. Thought, I thought Smith was from Carver. Uh, Carver. Well, I'm just, the the question is talking about Carver High School in Montgomery. That's the edge uh, defender. Should ask the other guys. I'm sorry, I don't know all that stuff. All right, what's the last thing? Final one, do you think the SEC will take a stab at adding Notre Dame in the conference, or is it a foregone conclusion that Notre Dame winds up in the Big Ten eventually? Sure, we'll, we'll make an offer to them. Uh, I mean, it's too good a caveat. I mean, you got you got to go for them if you can. I mean, national name, uh, If you can you imagine if we got the those four teams that I talked about and then we had Notre Dame, Oregon, and Washington? I mean, <sighs> Can we do the watch along in Miami when that happens? Yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, we can do it anywhere. Uh, do it from Joe Stonecrab. I'll get. I was you about to say, I know where his coach is going to do the show for us. I do tell. I hope that our fans will make some kind of. I mean, the fans. We don't. I mean, the people that watch us will uh, make some comments about, you know, any ideas that, like today, Roddy had these two guys on there. I thought they really had a lot of value. If there's anything else you want on the show it's your show particularly in the summer where we're trying to figure out things to do but 
Our players are bored of us, Roddy. Our players, our players, yeah. need somebody else. Our players have been on uh, break. They're coming back tomorrow. I'm glad they had a chance to get home and do some things. And uh, the, now we're getting to that grind, you know, getting ready to do a lot of seven on seven and stuff like that. And uh, it'll be good for you. Know it. We'll be playing the Oregon Ducks. I love it. Well, before we get there, uh, folks, like Coach says, put your uh, any uh, any show suggestions, anything you want, put it in the comment section. Uh, we will definitely look into it. If it's something we can pull off, then we absolutely will. We'll hopefully have a few more guests come on. Uh, be sure to tune in next Tuesday at noon. We will have another show. We'll have some more recruiting updates. And uh, between now and then, uh, 1970 Dog, be sure to check out some of the uh, updates at ugasports.com. I know you're a member there, but I think uh, – some of the stuff that's coming up should be uh, very heartening for the folks that are worried about recruiting. That's, July is going to be a good month for the Bulldogs. I know they've missed on a few, but don't discount Kirby when it comes to recruiting. Uh, he's, it's always June and July are always a little thin, it feels like, but uh, he's going to end July very strongly. Now let me ask just you guys a real quick, just a rhetorical question. Who, who would you say our number one rival in SEC is? you got to say Alabama, right? Yeah. I mean, I think Georgia's biggest rival is Florida, but in terms of competition, it's Alabama. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So aren't we about 12 places ahead of them in recruiting right now? Yep. So I wonder how those people are feeling about their recruiting. Not good. <laughs> they're, they're not good. Uh, so uh, let's get the Alabama board. Hey, if you get their uh, all-access pass, you can go read the Alabama board. That, it's a good read right now. Well, our, Arkansas is leading the league in recruiting right now. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. They won't. That's why we point out it's hey, it's uh, July. Yep. Let's let the season play out. Kirby Smart's going to have a top five class. I'm not worried about it. If I show next week, that old Big East will be revived, and Hawaii will be a part of it. Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have a big shout out to uh, Jed May and Blake Gilmer for joining us today. They did a great job. I appreciate them. Uh, I know they were busy with other stuff, but it's great for them to jump into Mellow Show and uh, be with us. Good idea, Coach. We appreciate that. I'll take credit for it, though. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Shout out to our friends at uh, Europe Academy Brewing Company, Athens Ford, and, of course, uh, Classic City Eats. I wish I was there right now, but I can't. Dead Soxy. Dead. Oh, and, of course, Dead, dead Soxy. Don't want to leave them out. So we'll see you next week, folks. Take care. <laughs>